Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, Joe, go ahead and open up with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be in verses 18 through 25, and then we're going to sneak over to chapter 3, verse 20, and read that verse as well. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, and then chapter 3, verse 20. What a joy it is to have you all here this morning on this beautiful Mother's Day here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden. Uh, it's a joy, it's a joy to get to preach uh, such an important sermon and such a valuable sermon to the people of God. Not that my preaching in itself is valuable, but it's so important for us to look to what God's Word has to say, not only about mothers, but about women, and not only about women, but about what it means for us uh, to be gendered, what it means for us to be two different Genders. It's important for us to think in those terms and recognize those terms because we live in so many ways in a culture that has lost its mind uh, according, to these, according to these sorts of things. And so we have to recognize these and see what God has to say. So if you have your Bibles open, won't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Moses writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to you. Beginning in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said... This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Now, just flip over really quickly to chapter 3, verse 20. This is right after the fall, right after God pronounce the curse on creation. Listen to what the Bible says. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Let's pray together. Lord, open our hearts and minds today. God, to receive your word, Lord, and we pray that today we would be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I said this earlier. I want us to recognize our culture does. We've got a problem with how we view and treat women. We've got a problem with how we view and treat women. Now, most of us look at that and think it's somebody else's problem. It's either the problem with those rank misogynists out on the coast over there taking advantage of women all the time. They hate women. They view women very negatively. They view them only as sexual objects. Or we see it as just sort of the problem of the libertines who have this sort of hyper-feminism that goes on, and we think, well, that's really not our problem. 
But brothers and sisters, every person who lives has a problem with sin, no matter what those sins might look like. Our tendency, our, our tendency is to want to highlight the sins of others and to, to coddle and to excuse our own sins. But just consider the fact that many of the hot topics of the day revolve around whether or not God made men and women unique and in His image. Many of the hot topics of the day revolve around whether or not God made men and women unique, that is, uniquely a man and uniquely a woman, and in His image. Many of these these problems revolve around the question of motherhood and fatherhood. Is it that God made us unique in our roles? We all recognize this and see this and live this out day in and day out, that we live in a fallen world. We live in a Genesis 3 world. We can see this all over the place, all over the place. This year, I hope you've seen in the news and on social media and other places, I hope you've been following what's come to be known as the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement. I, I hope you've seen some of that. One, one sort of subset that's come out of this is a lot of people will tell stories and they'll say, Church Too. Church Too. These are stories that women often tell of abuse in their past and, and people who have taken advantage of them and who have sexually abused them and different ta- sexually harassed them, mistreated them. And this has happened not only out in Hollywood, You know, we all kind of cluck our tongues and say, we expect it to happen there. But brothers and sisters, this has happened in churches. This has happened in churches where women are taken advantage of. But beyond that, some of of this may be hitting home for some of you today. I I alluded to this earlier. For some of you, Mother's Day may be a difficult day. Maybe a difficult day. There are challenges to becoming a mother. I I was reflecting the other day on the fact that one of God's greatest blessings in this world is the blessing of becoming a parent, right? So it's just a joy and a blessing. I think it brings glory to God, but it's no mistake, though, my friends, that the place where God is so glorified in our lives, we also have some of the biggest challenges. Some of the biggest challenges bringing children into the world. But there's a joy of motherhood in the midst of all of this. And even though we live in a fallen world, even though we live in a world that rejects God and God's views on so many things, I, I want us to recognize today that we do have a word from the Lord about what we ought, who we ought to be and how we ought to act, what we ought to do. And so this morning, I want to speak to you about what the Bible has to say about women in general for a couple of verses. Hard to be a mother without being a woman. And so we'll talk about women in general for a couple of, ver- couple of points. And then the third point, I want to narrow down to mothers in general. Because what, we, what the Bible teaches about women in general, right, uh, very, much, very much speaks directly about mothers in particular. Mothers in particular. So here's the first point. Here's the first point today. First point is this. Humanity is incomplete without women. Humanity is incomplete. Humanity is incomplete without women. Chapter 2, verse 18, listen to what the Bible says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper 
fit for him. I want to focus on that phrase, brothers and sisters. It is not good that man should be alone. It is not good that man should be alone. My wife, almost every day, paraphrases this verse to me. Almost every day, something happens, and Whitney puts her hand on her forehead or feels exasperated and says, God, please don't ever let anything happen to me. That's a paraphrase. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It is not good that man should be alone. Sometimes she'll, she would probably add, feel like the Lord should have added something there, with children, and, and throw that in there. It's not good that man should be alone with children. That's what she worries about. What do you mean, Whitney, these shoes don't go with this outfit? What do you mean? God, please don't let anything happen to me. All the time. All the time. But see, God made us to have relationships, didn't he? God, God made us relational. And the pinnacle of those relationships is marriage. It's the relationship between a man and a woman. You see, God could have just made it a planet full of men. Or he could have made it to where we don't know the difference between a man and a woman. We're just beings. He could have made us like amoebas that split in half to multiply. But instead, God made us relational and, and he deepened the relationship between man and man and made it this, this special relationship that we're able to have between man and woman. Now, we're able, we're capable of having hundreds of relationships, aren't we? Hundreds of relationships. Some of us have thousands of friends on Facebook. But the ultimate relationship in the life of a human is, is, is the pinnacle relationship in the life of a human is, is the relationship Marriage. Now, what that doesn't mean, let me just take a pause here and say, what that doesn't mean is that nobody can ever be single. In fact, the, the Bible sees singleness as a great gift and blessing, but it also, but it doesn't see it as the primary way in which humans live. The Bible over and over and over again sees marriage as, a, as the primary way in which humans live. And I think we recognize that. The overwhelming majority of people are married or have some sort of a primary relationship that looks like Marriage. We, we're bent in that direction. Now, it's another sermon and another day to talk about the gift of singleness and the blessing of singleness that some people have in their lives. But we recognize that there is sort of a pinnacle of human relationships, and that's the relationship of marriage. Here's what we recognize in this. Man and woman were made, they were created, to complement one another compliment that's with an e now it doesn't hurt to say nice things to one another to compliment with an i one another but i'm talking about complimenting one another with an e compliment they were meant to fit together appropriately this doesn't mean that a woman though the bible says uh, that 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 god made a helper fit for him this doesn't mean, though, that a woman was meant to be just a helper for man. I hope we recognize that. So often, I had a professor in seminary who always said, if you read this verse and the first thing that comes to your mind is, woman, go get me my chips, you've got a Bible problem. You've got a problem. It's not what the Bible means. It doesn't mean that you've got a servant in a wife. But it means that the man needed help that only a woman could provide. Now think about that for a moment. I don't know, I know very few men in this world and very few women in this world 
who are not well suited and well served by the differences between them and their spouse. If you know Whitney, you know me, you know that's the case. Well served by the differences. Our spouse. Let me illustrate this for you. When our, our former youth pastor, Jared Boyd, he was here probably five years ago, and uh, he's got a wonderful wife, Megan, and uh, they've got uh, two children now. They live in Alabaster and just doing great ministry work there. Really thankful for Jared and proud of him. But Jared, in his early days here at First Baptist Church, was in a, sing- a season of singleness. He got married later, but, but early on he was in a season of singleness. And one morning we were, we were having a, an event over in the Family Life Center. Jared came in, had his shirt untucked, jeans on, shirt untucked, and he had his breakfast with him. And I'm not kidding, it was two pieces of deer sausage on half of an old pizza box. The man needed help. You understand what I mean? He needed a helper, he needed somebody to help him, and I tried, I tried so hard to help the guy, but I was not created to help him. Learned that really quickly. It was not me. He needed help. He needed somebody to help him. Now, we've we've all encountered men like that who need some help. They need some help. I'm like that. I recognize my life is incomplete without my wife. And that's not to say that Jesus is not enough, but God has given us a, a special gift in our spouse's Humanity, we must recognize, brothers and sisters, we must recognize this. Humanity is incomplete without women. It's incomplete without women. We need women in the world. They, they serve an essential role in the world. When I read what the Bible says about the book of, in the book of Genesis about men and women, it's that we are totally equal in every way. I don't see anywhere in the Bible that says there's any lesser sex or any, any subservient sex. A, a man needed help, and so God gave him a, a suitable helper. It's not that man's greater. It's that we complement one another. We fit together appropriately. We need women in the world. They serve an essential role in the world, in the economy of God, and in every person's life. Don't you see this? We... We must recognize that humanity is incomplete without women. But second of all, God's plan requires the help of women. Now, let's, we're talking about the, the world as a whole at first, but now let's narrow down a little bit to God's plan for the world, what we would call the gospel, the, the, the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's plan, what God wants us to do, what God is calling Adam to do here requires the help of Eve. It requires the help of women. Notice what verse 18 says one more time. 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. A helper fit for him. Now, what did Adam need help doing? Think about this for a second. So often we take this and I think it's one of the ideas in the Bible that's most misused. I think it's most misused. We, we take a verse like this and we think the point then of the wife was just to help the man. If he wanted to do something, she needs to help. If he decides it's time to do this, she better help. Time to do that, she better help. If he wants to go down to the man cave for six or eight hours, she doesn't need to help. Just hang out somewhere else, you know, whatever. 
It's a misused idea in the Bible. I don't like it one lick for people to misuse God's Word, especially not to push down these sweet sisters that God has given us. What, what the Bible's talking about when it talks about Eve being a helper to Adam is that God created Adam, created mankind to have dominion over the world, to carry out God's plan, to spread the economy of God over the face of the earth, to spread the glory of God out over the face of the whole earth like the waters cover the sea. In other words, he was to cultivate the garden, and then the Bible says uh, that he and Eve then are to produce children, right? to reproduce and to be fruitful and multiply. And, and then the idea then is that eventually they cover the whole earth. And what do you have? A whole earth that's covered with the Garden of Eden. With God ruling over man, man and woman and them living out to his glory, cultivating the earth, developing the earth. He gave them dominion. Adam is meant to be the steward, the little L Lord of creation. It's not easy to do by yourself. And so what we must recognize when God is calling Eve Adam's, helper what he means is that they are partners in carrying out his plan for the world partners in carrying out his plan for the world so when we understand the roles that God has given men and women we must recognize that they're particularly regarding the plan and purpose of God it's in the home and in the church that these things shine most brightly and most clearly that is a, a woman's not made to just help man do whatever he pleases but instead God is showing that there's a complementarity if if what God wants to be fulfilled is to be fulfilled man must not just be man but man must be man and woman male and female he created them in his image he created them brothers Sisters, God created you and has called you together to carry out His vision for the world. A world in which His glory is spread over the whole earth like the waters cover the sea. And so I want to make it real plain. The Bible gets blamed for a lot of bad ideas. The Bible gets blamed for a lot of sin. It's easy. I see it happen all the time. It's easy for people to take good theology and use it as an excuse for bad behavior. I don't like it at all. I don't like to see people do that. Therefore, we must recognize then there's a lot of bad ideas out there about what women are supposed to do and how women are supposed to act. Brothers, I want to encourage you to strike from your life and from your vocabulary jokes and uh, sentences and phrases joking as if women are inferior to men because it's just not funny. There are plenty of funny differences between men and women do not have to resort to making it seem like women are inferior to men. So if you call your wife your ball and chain, your pastor has asked you kindly to quit doing that. Don't do that. Your wife's not a ball and chain. It's a privilege to get to serve in your life along Side your wife. It's a privilege. And I understand some of y'all do it and your wife thinks it's funny too and that's okay. I, I still would just encourage you as Christians, as Christians to create an environment in your home that shows the two of you as people who complement one another. You know, there's an there's a, a idea then that the Bible gives this idea that women ought to, quote, stay in their place. Well, what is that place? What, 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 is, what is this? Where is that anywhere in the Bible? The Bible doesn't teach that. Now, the Bible teaches that men and women are unique in their roles. 
But what that doesn't mean is that, that, that a man is better than a woman or there are things that women just simply can't do because they were, they're made inferiorly. No, it's that we carry out unique roles as men and women. Therefore, brothers, I want you to know it's not your job, as some misinterpret the Bible to mean, to simply be in charge and tell your wife what to do. That's not leadership. That's not what God's called you to do. When God said to love your wife like Christ loves the church, that is not what he meant. That's not what he meant. Now, God has called men to lead, and it's easy to slip off into just being an authoritarian jerk. Easy to do. But instead, the job for you, brothers, is to cast a vision for your home and cast a vision for your life. And that's my job is to say, Alexander family, this is our home and this is who we are. And here's what God has called us to accomplish. And your mother and I are going to work together to help us accomplish that vision in our vocations, what God has called us to do in our home, in our church, in our community. God has called us to spread His glory like the waters cover the seas. So your mom and I are going to work together to help lead our family to do that that's something we do imperfectly of course but that's biblical gender roles biblical gender roles is not y'all better do this biblical gender roles is come with me and let's accomplish this together can't do it without the help of your wife Brothers, she is the essential ingredient. And sisters, your husband cannot be the spiritual leader of the home that God's called him to be without your love and support and help in that. God called you to do that. And listen, I agree, there's a bunch of guys, and oftentimes myself included, who sit around spiritually like a bump on a pickle. And what happens, Nan loves it. I love it, Nan. Thank you. Nan likes that one. I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket. Next time y'all are snoozing out there, bump on a pickle. <laughs> Changes the whole day. It's easy, though, when your husband's sitting around, you're wishing he would lead you spiritually to become resentful and to pull away, right? Well, if he's not going to do his part, I'm not going to do mine. But support him. Help him, the Bible says. Help him. Help him lead. Show him what you want him to do. Help him lead in your home. There's nothing that says you can't do that biblically. Here's the third point this morning. We talk about women in general, but I want to narrow down just really briefly here in our last point to mothers in particular. And I want to make this point. The work of a mother. The work of a mother gives us gospel hope. The work of a mother gives us gospel hope. And I'm going to be frank with y'all, that's the only kind of hope I want. Any hope that's not gospel hope ends at this life. I want hope out into the future. The work of a mother points us to gospel hope. Now, we've seen this ideal picture of what a man and a woman ought to look like. And brothers and sisters, from verse chapter 2, from chapter 2, verse 25, Chapter 3, verse 20, I want to let you know something. It all fell apart. Things went south. Much like, for some of you, it may happen in the car ride home today. You may say, you know, I, we're all going to be walking out of here saying, today's the day that I start doing it right, and you're halfway to Applebee's. 
And you realize today's the day I start doing it wrong again too, right? We, we all struggle with these things. But here, almost immediately, things fall apart. God has created them, designed them with a perfect complementarity. And the first thing that happens is the serpent comes and begins to tempt them. And what the serpent does is turn God's created order on its head. Satan, I believe, takes the form of a serpent intentionally to represent creation in a low form of creation at that. He then dictates to the woman what she ought to do. He then dictates to Adam what he ought to do. And then when God confronts him in the garden, what does Adam say? It was the woman you gave me. So you go from God giving man to lead his wife, who's helping him carry out God's plan for creation, to God's creation dictating to the woman, who then is dictating to the man who is then blaming God what happened so everything's turned upside down the curse comes onto the world through sin death enters into the world through sin we have the fall that happens all the good things that God made are sullied they're ruined they're wrecked through sin and yet I want you to see what Adam says chapter 3 verse 20 the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living now listen, the Bible is not afraid to assign names to people on the other end of a bad situation. Just ask little Ichabod, the glory has departed, First Samuel, you know. Wouldn't you love that to be your name? What's your name? Ichabod, it means the glory has departed. It's a bad day for my family, but thanks for asking. You know, Adam, though, Adam is not just, re- he's not wallowing in the sin. He's not wallowing in the tragedy. He names his wife Eve, the mother of all living. In the day that death came into the world, the Bible's highlighting life. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God makes it clear that one day the seed of the woman, that is the offspring of the woman, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians makes it clear that it doesn't say seeds here, but seed. The seed of a woman would one day crush the head of the serpent. Adam is recognizing one day God will deliver his people even from this sin. What hope there is in this picture of motherhood then. On the other end of the curse of the fall, Adam calls his wife Eve. And despite the way the world is, every single mother gives us a picture of gospel hope. Every single birth, every single baby dedication, every single moment when we are able to rejoice in new life, we're reminded that death does not rule over this world, but Eve was the mother of all living. Eve was banished from the garden but she's still the mother of all the living. Eve would one day lose a son to murder, but she's still the mother of all the living. Sin had entered the world, but she was still the mother of all the living. And sisters in this room today, some of you may be feeling the weight of that curse today, but I hope and pray that you can hope in Christ the same way that our grandparents did. Because Eve's daughter, a long way down the line, was able to rejoice in the day of the coming of the Lord. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name, Mary tells us in Luke 
chapter 1, verses 46 through 49. Mary was able through the strength of God to bear a son, a son of Adam, but also the very son of God who would bear the weight of the curse. Sisters, sisters, the mother of all living was such because of the hope of the gospel. Because of the hope of the gospel. It was not the son she lost, or the son that lost his way, or the son that proved to be a good and faithful son that made her what she was. It was another son. A son to be trusted in faith. A son that would crush the head of the tempting serpent who had banished Satan once and for all and who would give hope and meaning to all of us. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never trusted that Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, for the first time, I want to offer this invitation to you. If you want to come right down here, I'd love to pray with you and talk with you. If you will turn from your sins in repentance, turn to Jesus Christ in faith, He will save you today. I believe that with all my heart. And second of all, you may be a believer and you may say, Pastor, I've not lived out like I said. Brother, some of you may need to come to this altar and repent of the way that you've treated your wives. This altar is open to you today. Finally, you may be looking for a church home. You may be looking for a church home. I want you to know this right now. We're not a perfect church here at First Baptist Church of Gaston, but I'd love to offer this invitation for you today. If you'd like to come know more about what it means to be a member here, First Baptist. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for this opportunity we have today to gather together in your name, Lord. God, to come together to celebrate our mothers, but ultimately, God, to celebrate the gift of your son. Lord, we pray that you would be with us and guide us today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.